Welcome to the Dildorks, dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and a simp. Who are you, friend? (laughs) I'm Billy. I'm a sex educator and a porn maker. And I, you know, being someone who makes his living having to be on the internet, and dare I say cool on the internet, uh... (laughs) It's one of the few things that makes me feel old these days. <laughs> I feel old so often these days, which is weird. I'm 31. Like, I'm really not that old. But it's just, I feel like this is the age where you start to really notice it, especially if yeah. you're online. Like, there's just so much shit going on online that I'm like, I literally have no idea who these people are. I don't know why I'm supposed to care. I don't know uh-huh. what, what these terms are that we're using. I don't uh-huh. understand these cultural shifts. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, offline, I mostly feel like a grown adult. Like, yeah. I, even things like seeing gray in my hair feels satisfying, like, especially because it's coming in on the sides in, like, the, like, salt and pepper gray masculine way, you know, which is just satisfying. I, <laughs> it might also be coming in on the top, but I make that purple, so I can't tell, and I'm going to say it's gender-affirming grays. Um, <laughs> but, like, uh, and, like, I don't know, other things in reality mostly feel like aging in a satisfying way like i once told my therapist i don't feel like i'm growing up anymore so much as aging now and they were like oh that's sad i was like no i mean i've like i've finished character creation like i'm not (laughs) i'm i'm just living now and and aging is part of that but i'm doing that like i'm not i've i've grown into the person i think i want to be is more what i was getting at with that yeah um so yeah, in life when I see myself aging, I'm like, oh, nice signs that I've like been around on the planet for a minute, cool and shit. And online, I'm like, I'm an old man who understands nothing and will <laughs> never be cool again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And the reason that we're bringing this up is because I wanted to do an episode about some terms from the sex and kink lexicons that are a little more recent than a lot of the terms that we use as people in our 30s um and some of these are terms that i think were actually like coined within the past few years uh largely by gen zers and some of them are just Mm -hmm. terms that sort of like have gained more cultural relevance or like are more widely known now it is fascinating also to have been like adults in this industry oh god i really just wanted to be like adults in the adult industry but i (laughs) rarely call it the adult industry anyway um there is something kind of satisfying about having been doing this and paying attention to this long enough to see the different phases come and go in like what is trendy Mm -hmm. in i don't know the cultural zeitgeist Because, like, it's a thing that I guess I would have assumed existed early on, but to have seen it happen and be like, oh, yeah, back in the day when daddy was new and taboo, (laughs) uh, I remember. Yeah. Oh, those were the days. Yeah, I do think the days of the age play discourse. (laughs) (sighs) The thing is, that discourse is forever ongoing. Like, it probably will be for quite some time yet, but. Oh, for sure. But it was the spicy go to one for a second in a way that is, I feel like, 
has less of a spotlight on it now. I'm not asking for it to come back suddenly, but like, (laughs) no, thank you. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, it could also just be who I pay attention to, but yeah, (laughs) right. I think that a lot of kink stuff is way more normalized now than it was, and that one key way we can see this is that there's so many more terms for niche kinks and niche Mm -hmm. things to be into. And so many more people know them in Mm -hmm. the post-Fifty Shades era, frankly. Yep. Yeah, so I wanted to start with one that was raised during the interview I did with Lane Quetteris recently, the Findom. Which was gooning. And I remember mm-hmm. first encountering this term when I was doing social media for an adult industry social media firm. And I was writing tweets for a clip site as part of that job. And there were so many clips that people were making that were involving gooning. I was like, what the hell is this? I have no idea what this is. I've never seen this. <laughs> and um, I think I get like, we've talked about it a few times on this show now, I'm pretty sure. And I think I've defined it differently every time I've tried to define it because my understanding of it is still evolving. I think I get it now. Do you want to try to offer a definition of gooning? Sure. So my understanding... I also discovered it semi-recently through scrolling porn things and, like, seeing my coworkers advertising stuff, often femdoms, um, and I see it... All right. Baseline definition we can accept is, like, excessive masturbation, edging, long duration, long in duration masturbation, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I would say that, like, it specifically refers to a kind of mindless state achieved through that. Um, I have seen videos sold that way with, like, kind of a hypno flavor to them. I've also seen stuff that's, like, very poppers-focused and uh, very drug-focused with, like, a gooning thing and, like, other stuff that is just... I would say probably hypno-adjacent, but may not have that label on it, Mm -hmm. but that is just focused on the excess of porn and the excess of porn available, right? Like jerking off in front of a desk with like two or three or six monitors playing different scenes at once, or like one screen that has several scenes playing on it and things, things that like loop and are designed to loop forever, right? So you can kind of fall into this mindless, brainless kind of thing. Um, I saw a tweet this a uh, couple days ago after you mentioned we were doing this episode and used Gooning as an example. Uh, of someone being like, all right, I give up. What the fuck is gooning? And I was like, ooh, <laughs> I'm going to check the replies and call it research for the show. Um, <laughs> or cheating, depending on how I felt about myself that day, but that's fine. Um, but one person hurt, uh, had a Urban Dictionary screenshot that they replied with that had a definition roughly of to the gist of what I was getting at. Um, but what I found interesting is like the last sentence in there said something about uh, how it really came about like in line with the surplus of internet porn that is available. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes a lot of sense to me and made kind of something else click into place for me about that kink that I found really fascinating. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that it definitely has a strong connection to porn. I do think mm-hmm. that it can be separated from porn to some extent because I have seen some people define it more so as like the state of mind when you've been masturbating or edging for so long that it's almost like being intoxicated, like you're just sort mm-hmm. of like hazy brained and in this sort mm-hmm. of aroused stupor uh, and you know, some people fetishize some additional aspects of that related to like, maybe you're easily manipulated when you're in that state. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is sort of hypnotic. I now, how it- much do you think edging is a core component of it? Cause I like, is it that you're never coming or like, can you goon by coming over and over and over? Do we know? I think it probably depends on like how multi-orgasmic you are and like how much mm. coming changes your brain state. Because in my experience, mm-hmm. a lot of people who are into this are into it for the brain state primarily, which is sort of like that hypnotic right. focused And simping. the duration. Right. And and there are people who, as we talked about, like, and this is definitely true for me, where like, when you come, there's like a neurochemical rush that like really does change your state. But then there are other people who find that they can just like keep going and it doesn't really change things that much for them mentally. So mm-hmm. I guess it just kind of depends. Um, right. And I would imagine uh, you, you, you prioritize duration over the orgasm. So if the orgasm means the end, then we're probably not shooting for that. But like, if it doesn't have to, then yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. And I think it's very deeply linked with submission as well. Mm. And I think that when you have someone in that state where they're like forever about to orgasm or like it's on the horizon, like that's, it's very easy to like manipulate someone in that state, at least in theory. Yeah. And what's interesting is it is a kind of probably a, a particularly easy way to access some, some sort of flavor of subspace solo. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because it can be a process of, you know, choosing exactly the right porn clips and setting up exactly the right loop and building exactly the right setup for yourself as you're like, you know, building this scene for yourself and then leaning into it and experiencing it. Right. Yeah. Um, and getting to be that particular kind of spacey, which like, I'm sure it's not identical to the spacey I get with pain, but that's also not identical to the spacey I get with rope or like certain kinds of role play or whatever. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, so like, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's something interesting to that, especially in the way we've seen it come up over the past couple of years mm-hmm. that like, it's a very easy way to be in that solo mindless spacey kind of space. Yeah, I think something that is that is in common with a lot of these terms that we're going to be talking about is like it's mm-hmm. a new term for something that like we've known about. Uh, like human <laughs> uh-huh. psychology doesn't change that much over time, um, uh-huh. at least not on a deeper level. And so, yeah, there are phenomena and feelings that come up again and again and we put new terms on them. And I think that's kind of cool especially when it results in these feelings getting popularized and more people knowing that they exist yeah and i do think there is something to be said for like the way we're now layering different aspects of things that have always existed together right um because gooning like you said yeah it can be in person or it can be like 
analog, I suppose, but it feels very internet age Mm -hmm. in the ways that, like, yes, people have been edging forever, right? Edging and denial have existed forever. Altered states and control and those things have existed forever. But in the ways that, like, we're layering it, in the ways that we're talking about it, in the ways that, like the desire the specific kinds of parts of the mindlessness that it eroticizes like feels adjacent to bimbo himbo stuff frankly yeah um and like the smooth brain things just over the in vanilla world stuff mm-hmm. um the just that whole trend on the internet mm-hmm. um or like linguistic trend whatever we want to call it um like yeah i don't know it it both feels very timeless and very timely, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, I think it reminds me a lot of sort of the dopamine haze that you can get into from a lot of different things online, whether it be mm-hmm. scrolling Twitter forever or mm-hmm. watching eight episodes in a row of Too Hot to Handle or something like that. <laughs> right. And like, I don't know about the, about the rest of y'all, but being locked in my house... <laughs> perpetually yeah. uh will will <laughs> with a, a, a specific disorder that makes it hard to regulate dopamine based things um mm-hmm. made it pretty hard to, to regulate th- those impulses and things and i totally get eroticizing falling into mm-hmm. a little dopamine haze you know yep completely I want to talk about a term that I already mentioned, um, simping. This is actually probably, of all the words on this list, this might be the one that I personally like have started using the most since I learned mm-hmm. what it was. Like It's something that just has ended up being such a useful term for me. Um, a simp is... Some people say it's short from sympathy, and some people say it's been shortened from simpleton. Um, I think etymologically okay. there's some debate to be had there. But a simp is somebody who is like devoted to like usually it's refers to like a celebrity or like a public figure even like a porn star or something like that uh somebody Uh who like is devoted to this person and is sort of i mean a few years ago we might have called this person a white knight i think that's sort of a related idea Mm. like someone who's sort Mm -hmm. of like protecting and advocating for somebody online but i think simping has a specific connotation as well that's like romantic and or sexual interest for this person where it's in the neighborhood of being a sub for someone, but I think more than submitting to them and doing what they want, I think it's more about demonstrating desire for them and demonstrating devotion for them in a way that's maybe mm-hmm. more one-sided um, and more it like... It feels Stan-adjacent, too, which, yes. speaking of interesting entomology. Right. <laughs> yeah, what, what's the Stan-to-simp pipeline? I was also thinking that, Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I love this term because which like stand should just be like it could just be super fan, which is which just makes sense. But like, instead, it's a weird Eminem reference <laughs> to like yeah. a good but weird song. Yeah, I do kind of wonder now if the Gen Zers know about standing. Like, do do we still say that? I don't know. <laughs> I. I think so, but it it, it it does feel like the pop culture precursor here. Yeah. Um, which is, oh God, it is a little interesting if you get into the entomology. Because, yeah, I've understood both standing and simping to be 
fanboy culture of a human. Right. Right. Rather than a, a piece of media. Yeah. I, I, essentially. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And standing feels like it has like sub simping. You're right. Has submissive connotations. It has worship kink kind of thing. Praise kink. Not praise in the you know, daddy good girl kind of way, but praise in worship, you know? Right. And, you know, maybe fin sub maybe, but like, it does have that kind of connotation. Whereas Stanning didn't so much. Um, and like, the uh, cis men <laughs> in particular who fanboy over people rather than pieces of media mm-hmm. have a history of being pretty violent. Uh, and if you don't remember the Eminem song that Stanning comes from, right. Has a history of being pretty violent, as Eminem songs often do. Uh, so, yeah. like, that's interesting. Yeah, that is I a good point, because I don't I, think that there's similar implications with simp. Like, certainly right. a, a simp could become, yeah, violent or scary. Or, you know, someone who is more of a stan may self-identify as a simp. <laughs> but... I do think that the implication is more like this is sort of a ineffectual person who's like not really doing that much with their feelings other than acts of sort of like worship and devotion. Right. And, and like Stan's, I don't think would have ever self-identified as like violent or like, but no. like, I do think simps at least like to think of themselves as less likely to lash out aggressively when the person that they're into like acts in a way that they don't like i don't know that that's necessarily true yeah but it does feel a little more baked into what they're trying to get at when they're simping and i think also like calling someone a simp was originally like a little derogatory and they're just like nope love it yep (laughs) you're right i am stupid for this girl i am hopelessly devoted to this pretty little e-girl and i am gonna bend over backwards to do literally anything for her you're right thank you yes um the the definition i like on urban dictionary says a simp is someone who will do nice things for his crush in order to win her affection Simps can go as far as donating tons of money to a girl or bashing others slash themselves. They typically Mm -hmm. do not get the girl. And, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously there's a lot of generalizations in this definition. But uh, I think that that last part, they typically do not get the girl, is really interesting because I do think there's an implication of, like, a simp is not, like, your partner, your equitable partner who, uh, who just has a healthy admiration and respect for you like it can be like my partner certainly simps over me but I would say that that's a phrase that I would use more so in a context where they're doing that in a submissive way where it's like I'm in the dom role and I'm kind of like laughing a little bit about like how much they simp over me it does not have the connotation of like an equitable partner who is just showing regular love and respect for you yeah I think it's got kind of almost parasocial vibes where like Uh they care deeply and the other person can't also care deeply or it's not (laughs) simping. It's a relationship. Like that's love, (laughs) you know? Um, Like, so I think there is this degree of like uh, different levels of interest, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, or attention or even knowledge. Again, if we're talking like parasocial internet relationships, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I do think simping is also like, 
adjacent to nice guy TM, Mm -hmm. right? Or can very easily be like the dark side, I guess, of simping is the nice guy TM, whereas the dark side of standing is um, the the song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there is an element to it of like, oh, there's such a word cloud coming up for me. There's like beta male, there's Mm -hmm. like creepy stalker, there's... Mm. Definitely nice guy. Yeah, because I think that this is the type of term that is so softened in terms mm-hmm. of its connotation that it would be easy for someone to be like, I couldn't ever do anything bad or be creeping anybody out. I'm just a pathetic, hopeless simp. And it's like, well, actually, mm-hmm. like a lot of times people like that do do things that are creepy and uncomfortable and maybe a little stalkery. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the show You really demonstrates this really well that this guy thinks he's just like super romantic and in love and devoted and pathetic and he's Mm -hmm. literally killing people (laughs) like that kind of narrative can really sort of blind you about yourself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that's kind of part of why it's hot in like a kink fantasy sort of scenario like the idea that this obsession could be so it could be so pure and innocent and sweet and it could also be so dark yeah if like playing with it in a kink context very much feels like the uh, 2021 internet era version of playing uh, soccer role play mm-hmm. like that feels like the core thing that I would be pl- playing with and like the computer age skin on it is like, oh, what if I was like an internet porn? Uh, um, what if I was an internet porn girly and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you were simping for me? It, it was it got too real for a second. It too real. <laughs> it's like, what if I? Oh no! Um, but like, you know, and you're like my simp who like found out my address and then what happens, right? right. Like, I think. That is definitely fun in the, like, both if you want to be playing a dot, like, of course I made it the creepy subby version, because that's the, what what happens when devotion gets dangerous, the <laughs> tagline of too many of my fantasies. Um, <laughs> Same. And yeah. a really cheesy romance novel, apparently. Please, God, no one quote me on any of that. Um, uh, so, uh, anyway, hmm. But just sounds. Um, there is also the like, I could make you do literally anything because you're just pathetically, hopelessly devoted to me. Yeah. Which is also fun to play with. Yeah, this is definitely why this is one of my most used words on this list is like when Mm -hmm. I'm in a dominant position and even when I'm not like this is Mm -hmm. how I prefer people to like me (laughs) (laughs) and I I don't know like how much of this comes from like being really insecure as a teen or the fact that my first sexual relationship was with someone who was like obsessed with me who I like didn't Mm -hmm. feel the same way about where like that Mm -hmm. just became something I really eroticized that made me feel really good about myself as long as it's you know not in a creepy and dangerous way, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, the fact that there was a small element of creepiness to it, like kind of that, that's the salt on the on the dish, you know, like uh-huh. there's, there's uh-huh. something about yep. that that's like, oh, there are depths of danger beneath this obsession that I don't even know about. Like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. 
Anyway, it's good. No, there, it, it, there is. It is really good. And like, I don't know. There is a vulnerability in that kind of like mm-hmm. devotion and like in getting to see either in them like just transparently revealing it, right? Or also getting to see through the little cracks of like just how much someone thinks about or knows a thing or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. and being able to pick up on those details. Like there is something hot about that. of like, oh, you've been like thinking about that in Mm -hmm. your spare time. Interesting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, these are some of my favorite tropes in media. Like I will watch a simping storyline from any era, any time. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That's good. Uh, we've been recording for over 25 minutes and we've talked about two terms. I love this for us. We're doing great. (laughs) Okay, next is a very interesting one to me, gentle femdom. I feel like I have seen this come up in popularity definitely within the last five years. And it reminds me of something I often say when I'm asked in interviews about like how I realized I was kinky, which is that... Mm -hmm. It took me a long time, and I think one of the key reasons is that a lot of the media representations of DS at the time that I was trying to figure this shit out were very punitive and angry, and Mm -hmm. you deserve a punishment, and you're a bad girl, and I'm going to whip you and give you bruises and marks and whatever, which, like, some of that shit, yeah, sure, I can totally get into now, but I think Mm -hmm. I didn't realize when I was younger that gentle dominance existed, Mm-hmm. And also that DS could be pried apart completely from sadomasochism if you want to yeah. do that. I think that that's been an idea that has gained a lot of popularity over the past few years. Like I've seen a lot more femdom content that's just like, and this relates to another term that we received from a listener, pleasure dom. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot more femdom and, and dommy content from people where they are dominating through pleasure mm-hmm. and through nice things and through praise and uh, not being punitive and not giving pain. Um, what do you think about gentle femdom? Yeah, I I mean, I think you pretty much summed it up. It reminds me of like early on when I was figuring things out. I remember uh, starting a thread on a message board on that site that uh, <laughs> shall not be named. Um, <laughs> the rhymes with Sweden manatees. Uh-huh, that one. <laughs> uh, and said something along the lines of like, I... What if I want someone to, to, to hurt me, but I don't want to be punished, though? But like, <laughs> Does that exist? Can that What be if real? maybe hurt? I think I might want someone to hurt me, though. Maybe? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I've grown. Um, but yeah, similarly, <laughs> I had like, I had the experience of like, so kink is only about this like punitive, <sighs> not quite combative or confrontational but like they really don't show kink as a collaboration between top and bottom Mm -hmm. at all and it's just like as a byproduct of not showing negotiation and things because it's still a collaboration even if we're role-playing this slightly more combative confrontational kind of style right Mm -hmm. um but as a byproduct of not showing any of that and of only showing this one particular style because let's be honest most of these media representations are done by vanilla folks who don't actually understand what any (laughs) of that looks like right beside the point um (laughs) Put more gays in charge and you'd get better kink representation. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, anyway, 
So, oh god, my brain just went on a whole rabbit down a whole rabbit hole of how like not allowing gays and weirdos in positions of power in like the sixties and seventies and eighties and nineties, like as we were starting media and things. Vastly probably also impacted our representations of kink, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that was a thing that took me a minute to come around to. So I think it makes sense to me that with a wave of people entering the scene several years ago in the Fifty Shades era, right, we are getting people who are like, learn. it is, kink is so much more a part of the cultural zeitgeist that like, culturally everyone is having that moment of discovering that kink is more than just an angry lady in latex with a bullwhip Mm -hmm. you know um and i think that's probably a big part of why specifically gentle femdom is becoming like a search term and a phrase Mm -hmm. right because seo is a huge reason a lot of these phrases are coming about now too and are becoming a thing um but yeah, because like mommy doms have always existed and <laughs> like gentle dominance has always been a thing. Mm-hmm. But having one big umbrella term that explains that it exists and makes all of the types of it easy to find yep. sounds like a byproduct of a huge number of people entering the scene at once and discovering that this is an option, you know, while we're all being wildly traumatized by uh, <laughs> the gestures broadly at the world the past two years. We're just right. like, what if someone was like, nice, nice. to me, maybe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what if things were nice, maybe? Yeah, and it's so interesting that you mentioned Fifty Shades because like, while the style of dominance in that story is not really what I would call gentle, I do think mm-hmm. that that phenomenon of the huge popularity of those books and those movies opened up more conversations about like well who's allowed to identify as kinky because I remember there Mm -hmm. being a lot of arguments like before Fifty Shades and around the time that it was blowing up where people were like these people who are getting into it now who are like jumping on the bandwagon now like aren't really kinky like they don't actually want the pain aspect they don't actually want the parts of it that are hard and Mm -hmm. I probably even joined in those conversations at that time from that side because I think like when you have just come into your identity in a certain marginalized space it's very easy to want to gatekeep that Mm -hmm. and to want to feel special but I think Mm -hmm. that my views on it have evolved so much and I think that if someone feels like they're a submissive but they don't want to receive pain or they don't want somebody to be mean to them or punish them like I think they can still totally be a submissive like I think that it's really weird when people are like that's not real submission because it's just like there's a zillion different ways to be submissive or to be dominant and Mm -hmm. the core of that kink is the power exchange it doesn't have to be anything else and I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of these terms as with many sexual orientation label terms and gender label terms are about peeling apart things that we've always kind of taken for granted have to be linked to each other that we're learning like, no, they actually really don't. Mm -hmm. I do think there are also two other interesting things here. One, uh, yes, like I would not describe Christian Christian Grey as like a gentle daddy dominant, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But 
they're the the running theme of those books is the romance and is the drive yeah. for the emotional intimacy and connection and more gentle styles of ds certainly uh bring that kind of intimacy and connection to the forefront mm-hmm. right and 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 the focus of that um so i do think that does like make a lot of sense as like part of the pipeline and connection. There is also something interesting in there that I'm I'm not gonna take the time to tease apart right now, but I think is worth mentioning. Um in the like it's cool to be kinky now, right? Vanilla <laughs> is like yeah said a little like slyly sometimes and like there is like we're seeing the in defense of being vanilla stuff and everything right right? um like vanilla is equated with boring and and, and none of those things are true i mean if i'm fucking you it's true but that's just me that's not (laughs) yeah (laughs) like this is a preference anyway so like there is something interesting in a cultural push towards people being nice to me and it being called a kink. So Mm. it's edgy, so I can like it and take it. (laughs) You know? Yeah, I see your point. I think that... There's something in there. Yeah, it is tricky because, like, definitionally part of how we define kink is, like, that it's unconventional desires and I don't right. actually think there's anything that unconventional about like wanting to be taken care of and praised. But at the same time, right. like it is non-standard in the grand scheme of things. I don't know. And what you're saying kind of reminds me of this book I read called Twee, which was about like the rise of Twee culture in music, books, mm. and TV. But one mm-hmm. of the points that was made really strongly in that in that book that really stuck with me was how much it used to be totally uncool to be a nerd. And then at some point over time, it just became cool to be a nerd to the point that like people who I wouldn't even necessarily define as a nerd are like arguing for their right to call themselves that. And I think something Uh similar has happened with kinkiness, whereas you said like it has become cool and it has become like social capital to be seen as kinky, even as at the same time, there are definitely people who are like punished and ostracized and like literally abused and harmed for being kinky or for expressing their kinks. Um, So it's this weird Mm -hmm. juxtaposition that still exists. I I still err on the side of like not calling people imposters or fakers or whatever for having kinks. Because for me, it's like I would rather it be a big tent. I'm anti-gatekeeping, as I've said. Like I think if if you think you're kinky, like you're the one who gets to decide that. It's just a matter of like, is that going to match up with other people's definitions in a way that's like useful for you as a communication tool when you're trying to meet new partners or whatever? Right. Exactly. Like I'm not going to tell anyone to say that they're not kinky and like, I'm all for people using the language and negotiation tools that kinksters have developed to tell partners, I would like you to be nice to me in this particular way and say these nice things to me and whatever. Yeah. And like, I mean, kink exists on a spectrum, right? But like, you know, the the, 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 the the TikTokers with the praise kinks <laughs> have a different experience of kink to me who wants pretty people to talk about how they're going to murder me. Like, you know, it's just, <laughs> yeah, we're just different people looking for different things. Um, but I do think like as a cultural trend and looking at a society that is 
very eagerly saying they are kinky and my kink is you're nice to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, to be clear, that is edgy for some people sitting and listening to someone say nice things to them. Like, totally. that, that is, like, not even to, not to invalidate how uncomfortable that can be. Yeah. But, uh, but and also, you know, watching an entire society be like, no, I'm, like, kinky and weird and, like, you know, I, I like scary things like people taking care of me and being really nice to me and, and fucking me really good and being like really dedicated to my pleasure. And that's their dominance. And I'm like, mm, sounds like you want a good partner. <laughs> <laughs> but like, ask for it with the language that you have. Mm-hmm. And like, for some of those people, that is probably part of power. And for some of those people, this is the language that they're going. And I'm not really interested in sorting between them. But when the entire, like, when it is becoming a cultural wave, mm-hmm. I think it just kind of speaks to what our society is both needing and struggling to ask for. Yeah. Yep. Well said. Uh I want to talk about something related, which I mentioned, which is the idea of a pleasure dom. And I looked into this today. I was like, I think I know what that means. But um, I was reading about it. And basically, this is a person who likes to be dominant and toppy, but likes to do so by overwhelming their partner with as much pleasure as possible and uh, doesn't necessarily involve pain or bondage or other elements of like control or uncomfortable sensations in it so much as just focusing on the pleasure and mm-hmm. my first reaction was just kind of like oh you mean like a top you you just mean like <laughs> a top like someone who likes to top and who like that's a key part of their sexuality yeah. um i do think maybe the term pleasure dom is like a bit more immediately obvious what you mean when you say that um yeah. at the same time though i think that this term suffers a little bit from the conflation of dom and top which, uh-huh. you know, language evolves. That'll, that distinction may not last our lifetimes, honestly. But um, I think it's a useful distinction because I think that, uh, as we've talked about, like not all doms want to be the person doling out all the sensation. And mm-hmm. also not all subs are bottoms. Like I, I think that when my partner is submitting to me, they behave in a way that is very like pleasure top like which is partly because like i tell them to do that (laughs) right but like they that's that is how they enjoy relating to me sexually a lot of the time and um and i also had a little bit of the same reaction that you were talking about in the last one um with pleasure dom about like well that just sounds like a good partner like that just sounds like somebody who like likes to give pleasure and that's good um but i guess there is another level of liking to give pleasure where it's like oh that's your sexuality like you like it so much that that's like how you get pleasure for the most part i don't know what do you think I mean, a that brings me around to the the conver- the thing you texted me about if stone cis men exist. But that's <laughs> right. a whole other conversation oh I'm not gonna get into. Okay, I, so here's <laughs> I really want to interview a stone person. If anybody knows a person who's stone and like teaches or writes about this, who would like to come on our show to talk about stone sexuality, yeah. I'm like really interested in it right now. But yes, very related. Yeah. Um, because I will say I have not encountered this word a ton. But I'm going to say pretty much exclusively have experienced it from men and mask folks, like maybe some butch lesbians, mm-hmm. but like pretty masculine of center folks, right? Right. Um, and like 
there can be some flavor of dominance involved, but it is not, it's like, uh, okay. So like, it does feel like pleasure dom exists on a spectrum between good partner and um, like overstim orgasm control top. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and like enjoying the different flavors of that, right? right. Um, Stone sits somewhere around the, uh, you know, adjacent to that spectrum, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think it, like, there may be some flavor of dominance and not just topping, but I think it is generally just the conflation of like aggressive sex with dominance. Mm. Like, I fuck you real hard, so I'm dominating you. Right. Which, like, mm, mm, mm. Eh, Sort of, I but mean, sort of not, yeah. Right, exactly. Like, it's in the same way I, I get different flavors of subspace from different scenes, right? Like, yeah. people can fuck me hard enough to elicit a flavor of subbiness from me and have me feel like they are a degree of in charge. Right. But someone who can fuck me like that doesn't necessarily have the ability to, like look me in the eye and say, I need you to go do this for me. You're going to be a good boy and do that, right? Absolutely. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Whatever you need. Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I mean? It's kind of a psychological versus physical thing. And I think like in a world where a lot of people don't talk about sex or their sexual fantasies or what they're thinking about during sex, it makes sense that they would look at a physical behavior and be like, well, that makes me feel a psychological way. Whereas kinksters like us who are like maybe a little like have higher needs in terms of the psychological side of things or the communication side of things might be like, yeah, you're fucking me hard, but like, there's no narrative here. (laughs) Like, I don't really know like how, you know, how we relate to each other on a, on a socio, on a, what's the word I'm looking for on a psychosexual level. Right. Right. And I think it, I think this is another word that comes about because, or came about in a way to take sex that like we've talked about this before like since the beginning of the show i think we've talked Mm -hmm. about how like i feel like someone who identifies as vanilla and thinks dudes look really good in like a nice pair of jeans like good pair like levi 504s or something right like just they make their ass look great, and I just think a dude looks really hot in a pair of jeans, right? But <laughs> yeah. if you ask a kinkster, they have a denim fetish, right? right. <laughs> um, so I think pleasure dom is one of those things that, like, as kinky has become cool, mm-hmm. things that would have just been rounded down to, like, you just like rough fucking and you're a really giving partner yeah. are getting rounded up to a kink title. Mm-hmm. And... I'm going to come back to what I was saying about how I pretty much only see men and masculine folks identifying as pleasure doms because, like, (laughs) that's a gendery as fuck word. Like, I, there is something gender affirming in dominance, particularly when your gender is masculine. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, femdoms are a thing, but, like, some degree of dominance is, like, baked into our cultural understanding of masculinity right it's not great (laughs) but like if you're just like if you're a a cis dude who likes fucking and it like you know has always been kind of liked like fucking kind of rough and everything and like you you know fuck a lot of like 
do all these pretty girls or whatever. I'm trying to sound like a straight dude. I don't even know. <laughs> all these pretty girls and things. Um, boobs. But like, <laughs> boobs. Um, but no, if you're, you know, if you're that stereotypical dude or whatever who's picking up all the girls at the bar and everything and you now have a succinct term to be like, yeah, no, I'm the kind of guy who like – is going to like fuck you really long and hard and like make you come a bunch of times and I'm going to really enjoy that process so you don't have to feel guilty about being the focus of attention and I'm kinky <laughs> and dominant. Like that yeah, that's what that it, it it you know. Yeah, I it mean it makes sense to me. I, I think <laughs> and that- I don't, this is not to say that like women and feminine people don't like this is my experience of it, but I it just like I'm just like yeah, I don't know. You gave yourself a cool job title for the stuff that you were doing already. You just picked a cool name for it and you can have it. It's fine. But I, it, it, it doesn't feel like the most unique sexual desire in the world. <laughs> no, but I, and I think that the gendered aspect of it is really interesting because if you look at the orgasm gap statistics, if you look at sort of the history <laughs> of sexuality, like, and I know people, I can already hear the comments and emails that people are <laughs> typing in response to this that are angry. But like culturally, it is much more, I think, understood still today and definitely in the past that women's role was to give men pleasure during sex, whereas mm-hmm. it was not as understood uh, that the inverse should be true. I think it's only within the past like maybe 20 years that that has become much more of an expectation to where like if I talk shit about a guy who didn't go down on me, a lot more people are like, yeah, that fucking sucks and he should have done that. Whereas if I was mm-hmm. doing that 20 years ago, I don't think that there would have been that much of a, of a reaction to that. And so mm-hmm. I think that... Certainly for- not. You're 32. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if I was 32 back then, no, I-, I was fucking Carrie Bradshaw. Like, <laughs> No, I, I, I just... <laughs> <laughs> We're not even going to touch that. Don't even... Don't even go there. Yeah, keep it moving. Keep it moving. Yeah, keep it moving. Um, but you know what I mean? We're like, I think yeah. that for a woman. No, because you are being brilliant. So keep saying what you're <laughs> Thank saying. Thank you. You're for, very right. For a woman to say that she's a pleasure dom, I think just doesn't land the same because we're like, yeah. well, yeah, I mean, blowjobs. Yeah, of course there's blowjobs. Like, or of course the uh, the male partner in this cishet interaction is going to get off because that's how sex ends right like that's just a a core part of sex and i think that it just like doesn't really land the same way uh because of all those factors Um, right like the the when you look at femdoms like there's like edging and milking and stuff like that if we're talking about like getting dudes off over and over in the same way that this kind of implication with pleasure dom is. But right. like those are specific ways and like motivations right. and flavors and styles of getting someone off. And the implication is always they're gonna get off unless the kink is that they don't. Whereas I think right. that there's not the same like expectation when the genders are flipped necessarily. Right. And also like I do think there is either that implication or Sexuality is pretty much removed from feminine dominance. Mm -hmm. Like, I think our cultural understanding, like, frankly, the people that are using terms like pleasure dom, uh, probably don't have the, like, deepest and most nuanced understanding of what feminine dominance can look like either. And, like, 
I don't know the the the, the more punitive pictures of kink that we were talking about earlier i rarely see images of the dude like getting off unless he's getting himself off right a pathetic worthless little way like the denial of the orgasm is like right like i don't i'm trying to imagine in this like straight heteronormative cultural understanding of kink a style of dominance like a pleasure dominance that a straight woman could like inhabit that would look the way that i've always heard pleasure dominance from men sounding because i think you're right it feels like it it feels like a word that has a little bit come out of the sales pitch of like no i'm actually going to be focused on getting you off and i'm going to enjoy it so you can enjoy that process too it's not a thing that i'm doing for you it's not a chore it's not like those two words are saying like, I'm going to make you feel good and that process, I'm going to be invested in your pleasure. That process alone is going to make me feel good. It's going to make me feel in charge. You're doing what I want Mm -hmm. by having a good time and that can take literally as long as you want because the process of doing that is what I am here for. Yes. Like that feels like a sales pitch born out of the orgasm straight gap. men fucking straight women and the orgasm gap yeah, yeah. exactly like I, I a lot of people have grabbed it for a lot of different reasons i'm sure again on on the individual level this can play out in a million ways but on the cultural level yeah the, that that all seems connected yep and again it feels like it feels like broad swaths of people being being like i'm gonna call my desires a kink (laughs) so i can talk about them in a a succinct way love kink for that but b in a way that makes me seem cool and edgy and a little bit (laughs) special and a little bit weird because that's fun these days yeah we all want to feel that way yeah i i also think that maybe five years ago i would have used the term service top for the same thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. i think a key problem with service top and one that maybe makes pleasure dom the more apt and useful term for this is first of all service top in my mind kind of refers to like whatever the bottom wants is what you want to give them mm-hmm. whether that's pleasure or whether that's pain or something mm-hmm. else and i also think that the term service top i've heard it used both as like somebody who actually gets pleasure out of providing whatever that service is or for somebody who like yeah I can be a top if that's what you need like I can be a top if that's the service that you want me to provide but it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily like my most favorite thing or like the thing that I would most like to be doing whereas I think pleasure Mm -hmm. dom emphasizes like there will be pleasure for the receiver and it will be pleasurable for the dom and so yeah I Mm -hmm. think that there's some usefulness there yeah for sure service top also like lots of people have mixed feelings about that like both being called it and playing and like identifying it but also playing with people who are service topping versus not and like it's just a lot more fraught than i think pleasure dom tends to be Mm -hmm. all right i definitely wanted to ask you about some of these trans terms a bunch of people submitted trans body part terms especially boy. boy pussy bussy girl dick girl cock and gawk and people were saying that these have become much more popular in the past few years. Do you have thoughts on these? Uh, I, no comment on girl cock, et cetera. I will call 
the girl's cock, whatever the fuck she wants me to call it, if she's putting it in my mouth. Like, I truly, <laughs> frankly, I mean, if I'm talking about her cock at all for any reason, I will call it whatever the fuck she wants me to call it. That seems fair. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I was going to say, I don't know why I'm talking about it if it's not going in my mouth. I, for a great many reasons. My whole job. You know what I mean. Right. That's a normal thing for normal people to say. Then I remembered what my life is like. <laughs> Like, why am I talking about strangers' genitals without, oh, because it's my job. Um, <laughs> but the, 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 bo- the boy pussy ones, I can have opinions about. Um, I, all right. I'll put my intellectual hat back on like I have for the other ones. I wasn't snarky about those at all. <laughs> anyway. Um, and say, like, they make sense to me as terms that are, like, yeah. Owning the transness in the name for your bits, like, and celebrating that, and I fucking love that for you, and fantastic. I don't like them. I don't, I won't use them. Mm. I don't, I don't like, I don't love the word pussy. It's just not a word that, like, I know a lot of people don't like it for a lot of reasons. It's, I just, I'm sticking my tongue out. You can't hear it. I just don't like the shape. It's just, bleh. It's not a... (laughs) I don't, it doesn't feel good in my mouth. It's the shape of it's weird. <laughs> the shape um, of the word, not the thing. The thing does feel good in your mouth. Let's yes, be clear. Yes, <laughs> the thing feels good in my mouth. The shape feels great in my mouth. The shape of the word, wrong. Pussy, I don't know. Blech, it, yeah. Not your thing, not your kink. Yeah, okay. it's just not, cunt is so much more satisfying. It's got the like, and and whole also great. Like, uh-huh. they, fa- they feel better to say. I don't know. Um, so like- uh, boy pussy is not going to appeal to me because pussy is not going to appeal to me. Like, boy cunt, fine, sure. It's just a cunt. I am a boy with a cunt. You know, boy cunt is just adding syllables, but we could go with it if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, I, it is probably also more helpful for people who experience more bottom dysphoria than mm-hmm. I do. I don't, I, I have a cunt. I, like, I, it's fine. I have a pussy, I guess, if that's the word you use for those bits. <laughs> fine. <laughs> But like, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it for me, it it feels redundant to 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 gender my bits every time we say my bits. Mm-hmm. Y- y- you know. Mm-hmm. Um. That said, when cis gays call their ass a pussy <laughs> or boy pussy. <laughs> The way my soul leaves my body, I just rage every time. Interesting. I don't want it, but you can't have it. It's our word. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you found it hot, and then you just went in a very no. different direction. Okay, interesting. No, 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 no. You're gatekeeping no. boy pussy. I like this. Yeah, it's mine. <laughs> Fuck you. I. You have so many other words you can call your ass. Just call it literally anything else. You don't have a pussy. I do. It's my selling point. Fuck you. I don't... <laughs> I, tr- I just uh, was not expecting you to have such a hot take and such a strong stance on this. I really wasn't. <laughs> it's You've seen the Hannah Gadsby stand up when she talks about pufferfish moments. Mm-hmm. It's one of those. I understand. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. I'm never going to come after someone for it. I don't care. Uh-huh. Except it fills me with rage. And... <laughs> I don't care except it fills me with rage. 
and does not know that I am talking about cis men using the word boy pussy. But they just crumpled and it all made sense as I explained it. Because <laughs> it's just, they're not allowed. I don't want it. They can't have it. That's all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I love how so much of this episode was us being like, big tent, no gatekeeping. And you're like, do not call your ass a pussy. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> do you really need it that? Do you need it that bad? <laughs> Trans girls? Absolutely. Call your ass whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> Non-binary folks? Even you. Great. Fine. <laughs> Cis men? No. Pussy is ours. <laughs> fuck you. This is my one gatekeeping moment. <laughs> The second one was the time my mom told me that gays couldn't have rainbows because she wants to wear rainbows sometimes and not have people think she's gay. And I was like, sorry, it's ours. Ship has sailed on that one, love. It's almost like you could just be a queer and trans ally and it would all be fine. But I don't know. What do I know about it? Um, Right. No, no. She she was wearing something very gay. And I was like, you're going to people are going to think you're gay. And she's like, why? I was like, because you're flagging gay is the thing. I don't know what to tell you. You look like a dyke. Uh, Sorry. Anyway, I have to tell you, I saw a Reddit thread the other day from a woman i think this is a straight woman fucking her boyfriend and her her Mm -hmm. boyfriend was or rather her boyfriend was fucking her if we want to use straight people parlance and Uh, good because i was assuming pegging no (laughs) (laughs) he was fucking her vaginally and Mm -hmm. he was sort of dirty talking under his breath and he referred to it as her her pussy you might say right (laughs) (laughs) he he referred to her vagina as her boy pussy oh and she was kind of like wait what what the fuck (laughs) and now she's i i don't recall the details of the thread but i think she's like spiraling off into wondering like if he's been watching trans guy porn and like what this means about how he perceives her and i was like you know i i I don't want you know there to be elements of transphobic freaking out to this but i do get that i would also be kind of upset if someone referred to my pussy as a boy pussy because I simply am not a boy and that is not right. a boy pussy and I think that that's right. a bit odd um people do it just implies you're thinking things. about someone else's pussy yeah because this one the one that you are in right now does not belong to in fact a boy so uh unless it's one of those things where it's like whose pussy is this this is my <laughs> pussy that I'm fucking so it's right, a boy fair. pussy but it's like I don't think that like I don't think that's what he thought it meant no i don't really know but i thought that was that funny feels, that feels akin to like saying someone else's name or pet name or something yeah you know what i mean like i'm just like you're just talking about someone and something that's not here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if you could clarify that'd be great yeah because like again <laughs> down with fantasizing down with cooperative role playing i uh, usually like to do be looped in though if you're going to give me some details and right. none of the rest yeah, don't misgender my genitals. Thank you very much. No, nope. We're coming up on time, but I wondered if you had a few more minutes for me to explain ghost penis to you. <laughs> now I do. <laughs> okay, so one of the main reasons I actually wanted to do this episode was that I stumbled across the, the term ghost penis recently, and it, it's fascinating to me. Um, mm-hmm. This is something my spouse found. It's like a it's a subreddit, ghost penis. And oh, cool. Basically, Nothing what this to do with amputations? 
No, but I did actually mm. write about phantom limbs in something that I was writing about this because it is sort of related in terms of the neurology. So that's right, a, right. that's that's a good pull. Um, okay. Ghost penis is a fetish where you take an object that looks like a penis. Usually, it's a oh. realistic dildo, and you like stroke it or do stuff to it in such a way that it's meant to make a person with a penis feel like you're doing that stuff to them. Like that experiment with the hand in the mirror and the box. Exactly. Thing the, that is a yeah. yeah. That's a phantom limb experiment. It's very similar. Yeah. Um, and the the kind of thing that I've seen it mostly used for is in like chastity contexts. Um, mm. There's this chastity creator. I think her name is Chastity April or something like that. And mm -hmm. she has this like really odd and interesting setup for her sub where it's a chastity cage that is so small that it basically like flattens his dick out completely. Mm -hmm. And it has uh, threads and screws so that she can screw on a realistic dildo over where his dick would be that looks a lot like his dick. Like it's the exact That's same like color and everything. So when he looks down at it, it looks like she's doing stuff to his dick. He can even like fuck her with it. And mm -hmm. she's done all these clips where like, especially since he's been in chastity, so, th so he's really sensitive, he can come from this. Yeah. And this is really, really interesting to me from like a neurological perspective because I'm just so curious about what's going on in the brain. But it also makes me think about like all the different other ways you could use this. Like the first example that came to mind immediately when my spouse was explaining explaining this to me was if you were out at dinner and you, you took a fork and you just started jacking off the fork. Like, could mm -hmm. you make someone feel that? I think it would be much easier with something like hypnosis or if they right, were in chastity right. or, or had been denied so that their sensitivity and orgasm threshold were, were different than they would normally be. But right. um, this is such a cool concept to me. It also reminds me of the story from a mutual friend of ours who, like, his partner in high school was like low key abusive and like wouldn't quote unquote allow him to jerk off for like mm. puritanical control reasons. Mm -hmm. And so one time he was like in bed by himself and he took two of his fingers and jerked those off and managed to come mm -hmm. that way, which I always mm -hmm. found to be a very hot story. Yep. Um, yep. And yep. he was doing ghost penis play is what I've learned now. And I, I yeah. just, I feel my life has been enriched by knowing this term. <laughs> Yeah. No, that's neat and fascinating. And like, again, a term for a thing that has like existed for a minute, but that immediately evoked what you were talking about. Because mm -hmm. like, as soon as you mentioned it, I was like, oh, yeah, like ghost limbs, because I <laughs> occasionally have ghost tits, except like, mm. I, I I was grappling with ghost tits or ghost nipples because like the nipples are back, but where the nipples were mm -hmm. has sensation, which is just gestures broadly in the front of my chest. Mm -hmm. um, but like not often, but occasionally they itch mm -hmm. like somewhere around here. Can't, it's not, hmm. can't do nothing about it. Interesting. Just the air in front of me itches. Huh. Because there was yeah. there was one of the many studies that's been done on phantom limbs. Um, I think it was someone who lost his arm in the war or something like that. And he had mm. this persistent chronic pain in the arm. And in his mind's eye, the hand was clenched and the arm was very tense. And the pain was like what the pain would be like if you had been clenching and tensing your arm for that mm -hmm. amount of time. And what they ended up doing was they did – you, I think, alluded it to, to it before. I they did what this in the house it. episode. Right. That's Yeah, that's probably where I first saw it as well. So they do this experiment where there's a mirror yeah. 
the mirror is set up in front of you such that you have your arm that you do still have, and then the mirror's mm -hmm. reflection looks like it's the arm that you don't have. So it, mm -hmm. to your brain, it appears that you have both arms. And they had the guy you know, do some relaxation exercises with his existing arm to just like mm -hmm. not clench it and to let go of all that tension. And his brain was able to release the idea of the missing arm having tension so that the pain mm -hmm. was actually resolved. And I find this research super fascinating because it just points to the connection between the mind and the body. And it's the kind of thing that like a few decades ago, I think science would have largely like discounted this as like, well, that's bullshit. Like it's all just in your head, whatever. And now we know like, mm -hmm. yeah, shit can be in your head and still be very real and like still need medical intervention and, and special tools and treatments to change it. Yeah, they do it every once in a while. Uh, I see like a viral video go around too, where you can do it with a person who has two arms. And um, similarly, you put like, one in a box and the other one outside or whatever. Mm. Um, and you can do an optical illusion where it'll like look like a thing happens to the limb and you'll still kind of experience it because you see it and you have a sensation on one limb and not the other and things. Mm -hmm. um, so like, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen versions of an experiment also done um, similarly to like, just kind of play with how much what we see or what our brain thinks we see is going to impact what we feel and experience, you mm -hmm. know? Yep, absolutely. And I think that this is super interesting to think about in relation to strap-ons, especially. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Like, you know, queer people, since the dawn of the age of strap-ons, have been talking about, like, different ways to feel the pleasure of fucking someone even if it's not literally happening to a part of your body and i think that mm -hmm. all of the neurology of that kind of thing is very connected to the neurology of phantom limbs i really wish mm -hmm. that um that there was more research done on this because it's just really fascinating to me yeah yeah absolutely all right. Well, there were more things on the list i don't know maybe we'll do a two-parter if we feel like it yeah, but we'll see yeah um this was fun. If you have more yeah. suggestions for like Gen Z-ish or newer sex and kink slang, please feel free to submit them. You can DM me on Twitter at girly underscore juice, or you can send us an email, thedildorks at gmail.com. I've been Kate Sloan. I have a sex blog at girlyjuice.net. I have two books out. One of them is 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do. Another is 200 Words to Help You Talk About Sexuality and Gender. I am on Twitter, Instagram, and threads at girly underscore juice. And I post a new song every week on YouTube. The most recent one was a fun jazzy tune called How'd I Never Notice, which is a very sort of demisexual love anthem about realizing that you have developed romantic and sexy feelings for someone you've been friends with for a while. Where is your stuff? I'm Billy. You can find all my porn and information about my workshops at BillyLore.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at BillyLore and BillyLore underscore, respectively. Uh, together, we're the Dildorks. We're on Twitter and Instagram at the Dildorks and also at thedildorks.com. You can go to patreon.com slash thedildorks to throw your money at us and help us keep doing this thing that we do. For $6 a month, you get access to our exclusive Discord for Patreon subscribers. And for $12 a month, you get access to our Patreon-only bonus episodes. 
Thank you so much to our top-tier Patreon supporters who we love so much, MB, Stabitha Christie, Nat, Amy, and Amelia. Thank you also to Protodome, who did our theme song. Thank you to Amy, who did our logo. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Bye. 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 Yeah.